Last episode, we learned that the men at the theater waiting for Brent were his former roommates, Sean and Jacob. But not only were they former roommates, but they were also fellow Ball State students in the music department. The three men lived together for a year and a half, from the summer of 2009 to the fall of 2010. The story really takes off as three friends. We met our freshman year of college. Uh, Sean and I were really close to each other at that point in time. I think that the Ball State is not really well known for their composition program. There had been some composers go through there, but Ball State's area of focus, I think that a lot of, a lot of people that come out of Ball State is, is their educators, their music educators. Part of the reason Brent and Sean are close is they're both above average composers. Really, they're quite good. By the time he's 18 and a freshman at Ball State, Brent's already been nominated for a regional Emmy for his musical composition to a documentary called State of Assault, focused on the ongoing trauma on two women's experience with sexual assault. This same year, he wins an international choral writing contest through Ithaca College in New York. Each of the other three winners in that year's competition have doctoral degrees in orchestral composition. And throughout his relationship with Ashley during his junior year, he's composing for Black Baseball, another indie documentary which will net him his second Emmy nomination at the age of 21. This time, he wins. But Sean is talented too, and between them, the composition department is seeing the kind of success from its undergraduates that most departments hope to see. Sean is charismatic and funny, and when the two of them team up for a national film score contest at a nearby Butler University, they win together. It's a friendship grounded in a common specialization and parallel success. It's also a friendly competition that drives each of them forward. So Sean and I became really close friends through this process, but I couldn't help throughout the years just feel like there was some tension there. And it wasn't necessarily through Sean. I think it was a little bit more through the band director over at Southside High School and working pretty closely with the school and with Dr. Jody Nagel. I was studying under Dr. Nagel as well as Sean, and there was some clear competition there. There was this fight for favorite a little bit, and with Joe having a heavy influence in the band world and just music in general, I think that as his protege over at Southside High School going into Ball State, he was trying to ensure that Sean was shining above everybody else. And I think I got in the way of that. If you've never experienced band culture in central Indiana, it may be hard for you to appreciate the importance of some of these local band leaders. Think something like a high school football coaching legend in Texas, but with trombones, huge feather plumes, and way more buttons. It's like Friday Night Lights for band geeks. Sean is a product of the top high school marching band in the state at nearby Southside. Brent is an outsider from a small country school but in the beginning, they get along great. 
We started out, you know, having classes together, really good friends. And my freshman year, I was still living at home. I was only about a half an hour away from campus. Um, but my sophomore year, I wanted to get a place on campus. And at that point in time, I had actually been working for a rental property company that had been buying houses around Ball State. I was mowing lawns uh, just to pay the bills while I was in college. They were like, well, Brent, you've been working for us for a little while. You know, if we found a house and renovated it close to campus, would you try to get rented out? And you live in there. I'll give you a first choice of what room you want. And so... I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, that's awesome. I got uh, the company I'm working for is like trying to find me a house right by the music college. I mean, how perfect is that? They find the house, they get it renovated, and I moved in my sophomore year. I was looking for roommates. The nice thing about how they did the, the rental was they were just renting per room. So I wasn't having to rent the entire house, which was nice. It was just an agreement per room. So I was paying, I think at that time, like 350 bucks a month for the room but they were really pushing to have me find other people. And so Sean being a close friend at that time, I was suggesting, I was like, hey, you're living at home too. Southside High School is not that far away from Ball State. And what do you think about being roommates? I remember at that time, the two of us were really super excited to move in. We were just like, yeah, this would be a lot of fun. We can work on projects together. We can do all these different things. But once again, kind of going back to that kind of that weird undertone, almost like little spidey senses coming up. I remember Dr. Nagel saying something to the fact that's like, I don't know if that's a really good idea if you guys should really move in together. I remember him saying that. At that point in time, it didn't really register. I don't really know why he said it. It was probably just the fact that we were so close also being in school as well as friends we didn't want to butt heads we we didn't want to get to a point where we were, were actually butting heads with each other to keep that relationship as friends and also as future colleagues so brent did what every 21 year old does when he gets good advice from someone over 40 he ignored it sean moved in soon after and in the beginning it was as fun as they thought it'd be Sean invited a friend to fill the other open room. We, you know, we were excited. We uh, were like, let's give it a shot. So two of us moved in and he introduced me to Jacob, which was one of his friends from school. I don't think at that point in time I had had any classes with him. I did later on, but Jacob was in the audio engineering program and he was also looking for a place to live. And so I remember probably a couple months into our sophomore year, the three of us moving in together. And uh, we had so much fun those first couple years. We had a blast. So many good stories. And Sean and I staying up really late. We had done so many projects together, like music projects together. We were pulling in musician after musician, recording them in the studio there at Ball State. All kinds of contests that we were working on. Both of us had won a national film scoring contest at Butler University, where a composer by the name of Kevin Kiner came in and was one of the primary composers for uh, CSI Miami and uh, a lot of television series. So if you look him up, he's, he's all over the place. Uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars you know, series. So he came in to do a Q&A question and answer session. And then we went down to Airborne Studios in Indianapolis and he recorded one of the Star Wars Clone Wars episodes. And the submissions that we had put in, we got to have performed live. 
And so between the two of us, we're sitting there in this big studio with 30-piece orchestra, members of the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra. And so so we just, we did all these things together. That was just one thing out of many, worked on several films together. We actually worked for the film department for a short bit, the two of us writing music alongside Ball State's documentaries. And so we were cohorts in that, I guess you could say. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, we weren't as close. He had a different friend group, and so I didn't really really hang out with them. I mean, mean, we were friends, but we weren't close. We weren't doing as much as what Sean and I were doing. But I do remember one year taking this big trip to Gatlinburg, and we hiked part of the, the AT, the Appalachian Trail. And the two of us, one of his friends and his friend's dad, we hiked Mount Sterling. If I remember right, where we started was like a six-mile switchback all the way up to the top of the hill. We ended up pitching our tents at like 2 a.m. in the morning on a foot and a half of snow. From the bottom being about 65 degrees, from the top of a windshield factor of about negative 10. And so... We really bonded after that experience just because we were living it out of a tent together. So we were friends. We were super close friends. And then the tides turned. Maybe they did bond. And maybe they didn't. And maybe the important takeaway is that Brent thought they did. But the tides undeniably turned. However close they'd become, the tenure of Brent's friendship with these college buddies soon changed. The only glitch in the beginning had been a difference in sensibilities. Humor, pranks, typical college stuff. We had this whiteboard in our kitchen that occasionally we'd just write notes back and forth to each other. And some of it was more or less just informational. Hey, we're going out for the day, or we do something, or don't forget to do this. But there was a lot of these notes that just started to get darker and darker and darker and it was because I would forget to take my clothes out of the laundry and so they'd get annoyed and they'd post a snide remark on the whiteboard basically calling me a dumbass. Very rude, you know, people make mistakes, you know, it's like they've left their laundry in the dryer too, you know, <laughs> those those kind of things. But there was, you know, just things of, you know, I was away on a trip, I, I don't know why this one kind of stuck, but when I come home from like a vacation, they had locked my door from the, the inside out, couldn't get in my room, and they had taken food that was at that point rotting they basically had just thrown like tossed food into my room and it was just rotting on the floor and so when i finally broke into my 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 own room it just smelled awful it was disgusting it was gross things like that that it's it's not the end of the world i mean boys will be boys you know (laughs) so you know that saying but at the same time it wasn't my personality it's not how i joke and so I didn't appreciate it. Those types of things just kept starting to pile up on top of them saying things that weren't necessarily accurate about the manager of the property. And it kind of put me in a weird situation because I worked for them. That, that was my, my job, my income through college. So I couldn't, I couldn't afford to lose that job. And so I was put in a tough position needing to speak out about these issues that just kind of kept occurring. 
The issues Brent's referring to were Facebook posts about things the owners had said or things the managers had done. I've seen some of their posts about Brent as well, some of which are still up on Facebook, at least of today. They're kind of mean, but not the worst things I've ever seen. Just sort of -of run-of-the-mill internet dragging. I'm not really interested in digging up old social media posts, so I'll just leave them where they are. I get that we all say dumb things, mean things, when we're in college, but I will describe one comic strip a fellow student made and posted featuring Brent and Sean. It's called A Day in the Life of Brent, Part 1. All the images are photographs of the two, apparently lifted off their Facebook profiles. In the first panel, Sean says, Brent, please pay attention. Brent responds, Ha ha, huh, what? Sean says, Really? Have you been listening at all? Brent says again, Ha ha, huh, what? Sean now shouts with three exclamation points. Brent, do you even understand the simplest of commands? All I ask is that you sit down at your piano. We are about to begin. Brent, now photoshopped in front of a pink toddler's toy piano with a unicorn on the side of it, says, Ha ha, you got it. A wide shot of a full orchestra follows, with one large speech bubble above it reading, Damn it, Brent. To which Brent responds, now predictably, Ha ha ha, what? The last panel is a mushroom cloud from a nuclear explosion. Throughout this brief comic strip, Sean is positioned as the conductor. Brent is just looking at the camera, smiling and confused. Apparently the owners and managers of the house the three friends were sharing were on the wrong side of similarly creative complaints. No one likes to be embarrassed on social media, and eventually their patience wore out. By the end of it, they had evicted them because of just all the derogatory things that they were saying, issues that shouldn't have been happening. It was apparently enough to make the owner want to remove them from the property. I asked Brent if this is the point where tensions reach a breaking point. I would say that this is that point where things started to get bad with Just derogatory remarks, almost two-faced. One day they'll be buddy-buddy, the next day I'll see some type of just comment on their Facebook post about me or something I did that they thought was funny that they just took too far. They weren't necessarily bullying in a way like calling me fat or calling me ugly. It was more making fun of circumstantial things that I had done like leaving laundry a couple times in the in the dryer and uh, to be honest with you more than likely that was just because I was crazy busy trying to get you know schoolwork done but I got a remark on the whiteboard calling me a dumbass it's kind of the common arguments that happen where the bowl didn't get cleaned enough you know it's just stupid it's like oh there's a speck of dirt in this bowl it must have been Brent's fault so yeah they were bullying but It takes a lot for me to speak out towards somebody. I've always been that way. I don't necessarily consider myself a pushover, 
I just consider those types of activities a waste of energy. And I, I just, even though internally I may be physically stressed out, emotionally distraught in a way, especially with a video, them walking into the movie, for example, the, the average guy probably would have ran after him and just beat the crap out of him. Me, I just like, okay. And I dealt with that internally. I don't know. Maybe now that I'm talking about it, maybe pushover is the right word. Maybe I am a pushover. I don't like to call myself that, but it's, it's one of those fine lines of me kind of choosing my own battle. I'll take a moment here to say a couple things. One, I've known Brent long enough to say with confidence that he is in fact a pushover. I've never once seen him stand up for himself. Two, it's not as if physically attacking these two men in a public theater would have made anything better. So being a pushover in that situation was really not a bad thing to be. When Sean and Jacob were evicted from the house, they posted things on Facebook for a while more of the same complaints against ownership. Jokes about Brent, but those tampered off quickly. Soon, they were gone from his life. And then, about four months later, he met Ashley. I would say it had probably been close to half a year before I had gotten a you know message from Ashley. Maybe not quite that amount of time, but I would say at least four to five months before I had heard from, you know, Ashley getting that first Facebook request from her and saying my first words. And what started all this was that Sean had convinced Emily to play a prank on one of their buddies, their roommate, to play a prank on me. And they had made a fake Facebook profile that had her pictures, all of that information. And as far as I know, she had no idea that they were using her pictures, her information, and creating a Facebook profile. So at that point in time, they had started the conversations, and Sean and Jacob had been talking to me back and forth online. It was them who originally engaged with me and then transitioned over into convincing Emily to start texting me. I mentioned earlier that Sean was working with the bands at his alma mater, Southside High School. He was a popular leader, with a knack for getting the best out of his students and connecting with them on a personal level. One Facebook post from one of his middle schoolers he was leading at the time reads, Truth is, when I first met you, I was like, I don't like him, he's mean. But then I realized you aren't mean, you care. I know I put you and the rest of the staff through hell, but I'm glad I did this. It was life-changing, and I met so many amazing people. I'm going to do it next year, and I'm going to try to be less immature. But you know, baby steps. Thank you, Sean, for everything. So to sum it all up, truth is, you're amazing. The date on that post is August 6, 2011. The poster was Savannah, the 13-year-old who would soon be texting Brent. And so Sean at the time was a major influencer. He was somebody who was highly regarded at Southside High School. He was one of the top performing musicians. You know, the composer, he was writing drill. He was writing arrangements for the band. And if you know anything about the state of Indiana, the culture of the 
band programs is absolutely massive here. Southside High School and Winchester High School and the Anderson Highland, those three bands were the top bands in the state. Southside was always winning first in all of their competitions. And so he was their star. He's, he's got a lot of people that's looking up to him. And it's not just high school girls that are in the band. It's middle school girls that are in the band because you start at sixth grade. So he had all of this at his fingertips. Now to be clear, there's no evidence and there has been no suggestion of any inappropriate physical contact between Sean and the girls. But soliciting them to engage in romantic exchanges with a college-aged man is, to put it mildly, problematic. 